chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, and I'm going to pick up there in verse 3. But while y'all are there and turning to there, I'm going to, I'm going to, read, to read you something out of 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Now, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read this to you out of 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Y'all just listen to this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, praise the Lord. So back in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, Daniel says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my Confession. So I read to you in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And those verses, those verses tell you two things. First, it tells you you're a sinner. Amen. Even as a saved, born-again Christian, you are going to commit sins. And if you, don't, if you say you don't commit sins, you're a liar. I read that to you. Word of God right there. And the second thing it's going to tell you, it told you is, if you'll confess those sins... He's faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So that's an important part of a Christian walk with the Lord is to know that you're a sinner and to know, secondly, that you need to confess those sins and get them right with the Lord. So the best place to find that is one of the greatest prayers you can find in the Bible is in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, starting in verse 3. And we're going to go through Daniel's confession and we're going to look at the proper way to confess your sins. We're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at the proper way to confess your sins. This is such a mighty prayer, my friends. This is such a mighty prayer that God, by His infinite mercy and grace, gives Daniel one of the greatest prophecies ever laid down on a sheet of paper man's ever seen. And you find it at the end of Daniel chapter 9. Now, I'm not going to preach that prophecy this morning, but I will show you the prophecy of Daniel's 70th week later on in another sermon. But I'm trying to point this out to you that, that that's, this prayer is so powerful. It's so moving to God. He gives Daniel one of the greatest prophecies man's ever seen. Now, guys, that's how you want to approach and touch God. You want your prayers to touch God like that. Friends, you got prayers you want answered. Friends, you got prayers you need answered by God. Well, you need to find out how God's touched by man's prayer. And this is how, what we're going to look at this morning. is a proper way to confess your sins. You can't approach God in your, iniqu- in your iniquity. You can't approach God in your sin. That's what's separating you between you and God right now. If you come to me and say, Brother Keegan, I pray and I fill up my prayers. They don't much reach the top of the ceiling and then fall back down. Well, there's something wrong between you and the Lord. You need to get that right. You need to confess that. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is a proper way to confess our sins. And it says there in verse 3, let's look at this. Let's break this down, friends. And I set my face unto the Lord God. First off, he sets his face to God. He puts his whole attention to God. He sets his face to God. He turns his face to God. That's, a, that's what, he, what Daniel's telling you there is. He's putting his full attention and heart towards God when he's about to pray. And to seek by prayer and by supplications. Now prayer is just a, is another way of saying asking. When you say I'm going to pray, that's, that's a word. The, prayer, the word prayer means ask. 
Pray, ask. I pray thee. I ask thee. That's what that means. So he says, I'm going to ask and supplications. That's a humble and a, that's a humble and a, a, a earnest prayer in worship. When you say that's a supplication, that's a humbleness. That means when you're going to go to God in prayer, you're going to seek His face, you're going to start asking Him for something, and you're going to humble yourself down, guys. You cannot approach God arrogantly. Amen. You cannot do it. You can't approach God as like, look how big I am, look how important I am. God's so lucky to have me. Guys, you need to humble yourself down. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't humble yourself down, God will humble you. <laughs> and you don't want God humbling you. And I've, I've preached this and preached this and preached this in my ministry, and I believe it with all my heart. There's an incredible, incredible power in humbleness. I've seen God, and I, I've, I'm not going to go to it this morning, but I've seen God, some of the most wicked men in the Bible, humble themselves down, and God forgives them of all this stuff. <laughs> and, I, and I'm reading through this, I'm like, why, God? Why didn't you kill him right there? God, why didn't you just strike him dead? It's Ahab, the, you, you just said a couple of verses over that. He's the worst king, the most wicked king Israel's ever had. And he humbles himself down just a little bit. And God says, okay, I'm going to let this go. Why did you do that, God? And I know what the Lord says to my heart because I'm going to not do that to you. See, we want, we want everybody else to get punished, but we don't want to get punished ourselves, amen. Everybody else should be punished and everybody else should have it hard, but when it comes to us, we want, it, we want the Lord to be easy on us, right? It all comes from humbleness. That's a supplication. And with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I'm here to tell you, if you have a prayer you need answered, you need to go and fast. That means, to, what are you doing when you're fasting? What you're doing is you're taking this body of yours, and you're subjecting it, and you're bringing it down into humbling it down. There's nothing to humble a man down any more than to be hungry. There's nothing that makes a man more arrogant than to have a full belly. Amen. That's why Americans are so arrogant, walking around with their nose in the air, because we're so well-fed, and we're so fat and sassy. That's what's going on, exactly what's going on. So when, you're, when he's fasting, what he's doing is, when he's fasting and setting himself down like that, he's humbling down his flesh. Why do you want to humble down your flesh? Because, friends, this flesh is what's keeping you from getting to God. This flesh is what's causing you to sin and to do everything we're about to read about. That's what this flesh is doing. That's why Daniel said, I'm going to pray, I'm going to have supplications, I'm going to seek God's face, and then I'm going to fast in sackcloth and ashes. That's, sackcloth and ashes makes his skin itchy. He's trying, to, he's trying to humble himself down, humble his flesh down. And this is what he's going to do. Verse 4, And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. So here's the confession, and this is what we need to do. This is the proper way to confess. And said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. When you approach God, you need to remember who God is. He's dreadful. He's dreadful. He's mighty. And he's dreadful. He's your father, but he's dreadful. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Brother Keegan? He could literally thank it and you would die. You realize God's the one that's got your very breath in your life right now? He could take your life right now if he wants to. You know when you see, people say, I'm going to get you, I'm going to hurt you. You hear people run their mouths, and some people can try to do it, but God, he can do it. Amen. It's dreadful. It's dreadful. But that's how you approach God. You approach God as being God. 
He's high. He's mighty. You're not hiding anything from an all-knowing God. You're not going to come to God and try to trick him. You're not going to come to God and say, uh, I'm going to tell you about this sin, but this other sin that's in the closet, you know, I'm going to pretend like you don't know about that. God knows about it. So when you're seeking God, you need to understand. That's what Daniel's showing you. He's acknowledging God, you're everything. Verse 5, we have sinned. The proper way to confess is to confess that you're a sinner. You want your prayers answered. You want to get right with God. You've got to confess, I've sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. There's a, fourfold, there's a fourfold confession going on there. And we're going to break this fourfold confession down. First off, he says in verse 5, we have sinned. The question might be in your heart is, what is sin? Well, let me give you a definition according to the Word of God. Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, verse 23 says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatever you're doing in your life that's not of faith is sin. If you don't have faith to believe that God's all right with it, then it's sin. We call it, some people, uh, Baptists call it like a conviction. And I, uh, me and Brother Wade have talked about this when we were driving up here. I said, man, brother, whatever, less convictions you have, the better, happier you'll be as a Christian. You know why? Because when you get a conviction, then you're convicting yourself. And then you, what are you doing? You're putting laws on your own self. And if you can't do something without having faith that God's okay with it, then it's a sin. Amen. That's between you and the Lord. Now, there's stuff that I can do by faith that maybe you can't do by faith. There's stuff maybe you can do by faith that I can say, I can't do that by faith. But whatever that is, personally, that's between you and the Lord. And if you can't do it by faith, it's sin. That's what sin is. James chapter 4, verse 17. James 4, 17 says, To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if you, you know there's something good you can do for somebody, you know there's something good you can do, and you don't go do that good, God says, that's sin. <laughs> There's a way you can, maybe you can help somebody out over here. Or maybe you can go over there and do something for somebody. There's something God wants you to do. And it's not that you don't do it. And you say, well, I didn't do that, but that's okay. I'll do it some other time. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart about it. Go help them out. And you don't do that. And you know it's something good you need to do. The Bible says that's sin. <laughs> now that scares me. Because there's times the Lord says, go do this. And I'm like, oh, I don't have the time. That's sin. According to James 14, James chapter 4, verse 17. 1 John 3, 4 says, sin is the transgression of the law. In other words, all these Ten Commandments, all the laws God's given us, that's sin. 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. It sums it all up. All unrighteousness is sin. This is a real simple, this is a real simple answer. You're, you're a sinner. Amen. Okay, the, the Bible's going to hit you every way you can go. You can say, well, I didn't go do this bad, and I didn't go do that bad, and I didn't go do this bad. Yeah, I know, but you didn't go do that good. And if you didn't go do that good, that's sin. I mean, God's got you cornered, see? And Daniel admits that. He says, we have sinned. He goes on to say, and have committed iniquity. Iniquity, 
That's, that's a different way of saying sin. A lot of times you see the words sin and iniquity, and they are synonymous. They are, they are connected. That's, a, that's, a, that's another way of saying sin. But there's a little more to that word iniquity. Iniquity is a way, in, in, in Psalms chapter 51, verse 5, David says, I was shapen in iniquity. So that right there, that verse is defining iniquity as that inherent nature you have to sin. That nature that's in you to always do the bad and not the good. This is what you inherited from Adam. David says, I was shaping in iniquity. Iniquity is also described in Genesis 15, 16 as the, it's a word that's used to describe an accumulation of sins. So there's sin, you know, you do a certain sin, and then there's iniquity. And iniquity is a way the Bible tries to describe a whole accumulation of sins. When their iniquities come to a full, the Bible says in Genesis 15, 16. So what is the Bible telling us? Iniquity is a word, a way of saying is you've got a lot of sins. Amen. And see how I'm making my arms go really wide? <laughs> heaping it up. See how I'm heaping up all these sins you have? Because I know y'all really well. And I know Brother Keegan really well. See, I'm not, I'm not up here going, y'all have some sin, see? I'm not doing that to you. I'm saying, I know you. Really, really, really. I know Brother Raymond really well. <laughs> See, I'm reaching really, really, really high. Guys, that's me right here. Amen, brother. You better get a ladder. He says, I've committed iniquity. So you need to approach God and say, Lord, I've got this sins, And I've got these, a bunch of sins, this iniquity. Everybody in here, when I say sin... The Lord will speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit and tell you what that sin is, okay? I'm not going to start listing out this long list of sins. Okay, you might be doing this, you might be doing that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Amen. Brother Keegan's job is not to tell you what's right and wrong. Brother Keegan's job is to preach the Word of God. Y'all know what's right and wrong. I don't have to tell you that. The Holy Spirit's job is to tell you that, straighten you out. I'm not going to step on your toes. I'm just telling you that you know you have sins and you know what iniquity is. Iniquity is another, and another way. Iniquity, too, is uh, akin to the word injustice. An injustice. And you'll find that in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 15. But it's akin to the word injustice, like an unequal balance. An equal, unequal balance. It would be like a unjust business practices. Unjust personal dealings. You say unjust business dealings. Yeah, whenever you cheat somebody. You, you, you sell a used car and you say, this is the best car I ever had. I've never had any problem with it. And you just got through changing the oil pump last week and you lie about it. That's called, that's called iniquity. Unjust business dealings. You know, like what you see the oil companies are doing to America right now. That's unjust. That's iniquity. What you see the oil business doing to America is called iniquity. You understand that? Okay, I, I'm driving down the road, and I see gas is $2.05. And I say, wow, $2.05. I drive down the road, I go to work. I come back just one hour later, I'm driving out, get out in my work truck, I go down, I look up there, and gas is $2.45 in one hour. It's jumped 40 cents in one hour. Now, what is going on there? Did they just all of a sudden bring in the new gas truck, and the new gas truck says, okay, prices have gone up. No, somebody told them to raise the price up 40 cents because something happened way over here. Some mosquito sneezed way over here in Africa, so now we've got to raise the oil prices up. That's, causing, that's called iniquity. That's wickedness. God says that's wickedness. That's an unjust balance. 
unjust personal dealings. Guys, when I say unjust personal dealings, what am I talking about? I'm saying like when you mistreat, you treat somebody who's rich better than you treat somebody who's poor. Y'all ever do that? Y'all ever treat somebody different because maybe they got a suit on and this guy over here doesn't have a suit on? Yeah, yeah. Right? You see people do that all the time. That's what we need to watch out for. We don't mistreat somebody. We don't treat somebody different because of the clothes they're wearing or the way they can talk or what the English they know or maybe somebody's well-spoken and we treat them better than somebody over here that can't speak very well. That's iniquity. That's an injustice. That's what, that's what Daniel's trying to confess here. Let's look at the next one. I, mean, I can see that one, that one right there. That went over real good. <laughs> I can tell they hit home pretty close. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just telling you what it means if you don't like it. You praise the Lord if you're not doing it. Amen. Amen. But you're not going to see me up here saying, I've never done that. You know, you're not, no way. Okay, let's look at the next one. And have done wickedly. Have done wickedly. What is wickedness? Wickedness is to say, we would say it's to live in sin. And the best way I can describe wickedness is living in sin. You're not just doing a sin, you're living in sin. The best, uh, the best illustration I can give you on wickedness is, is, is a pig. Is a pig, when it finds mud and nastiness, what does a pig do? Oink, 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 and wallers around and makes himself home. Have you ever read what the Bible has to say about a pig? Eh, nothing good. There's <laughs> nothing good about pigs in the Bible. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. There's nothing good about dogs either, by the way. All y'all that have y'all's dogs, oh, I love my little Fifi. Bible don't have anything good to say about dogs, but it really doesn't. God doesn't love. God has nothing good to say about a pig. But what does God call you? He doesn't say, "Ye my little pigs, come unto me." Aren't you glad God didn't say that? Aren't you glad Jesus said, I, "I'll take all my little pigs and they'll come unto me"? <laughs> Amen. Aren't you glad? Amen. All right, praise the Lord. What does Jesus say? He goes, "I'm gonna take all my little sheep and let them come unto me." Well, what do you know? What, what, what can I tell you about a sheep? Well, let me tell you about a sheep. When a sheep's walking along and a sheep falls into a hole that's full of mud, what does a sheep do? A sheep goes, bah, bah. It cries out waiting for its master, waiting for its owner to come and take it out of the pit. Amen. But when a pig, oink, 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 a pig comes along and it falls in a, in a hole with mud, what does a pig do? Oh, 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 it's time to make a home. It kicks back and smokes a cigarette. That's called wickedness. And as funny as that sounds, there's people in here, and maybe I'm one of them, we're living in sin. It's not enough that we're doing a sin every once in a while. We're taking that sin, and we're wallowing around in it, and we're taking a bath in it, and we're making a home in it, and we're living in it. That's wickedness. That's stuff we need to confess. That's a proper way to confess. You see why Daniel's about to get something right with God? Because a lot of y'all in here are saying, I'll never do that. I'll never confess that. There's no way. And you're never going to get close to God. Some of y'all are waiting for God to show up in your life, waiting for God to do some great thing in your life, and so is God. God's waiting to do something in your life, but He's waiting for you to get right with Him. He says... Uh, we have sinned, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly, and look, and have rebelled. Have rebelled. Even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Now, rebellion is best described as one who willfully, willfully disobeys the king's command. Mm. 
I don't like that word. Willfully disobeys the king's command. Can you think of a time that you knew Jesus Christ said that that was wrong and you said, I'm going to do it anyway? Amen? Amen, okay. Okay. That's what's scary about reading your Bible. You start finding out everything that God don't want you to do. And then all of a sudden, you don't have a will for, will for ignorance anymore. You can't say, well, I didn't know. You say, yeah, you know. And you rebelled. You rebelled against the king's command. You disobeyed it. And notice here in verse 5, he says at the end, he says, and have rebelled what? Even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. That's the word of God. At the end of that verse 5, he's saying we departed from the word of God. Do you understand, my friend, that sin, iniquity, wickedness, rebellion, that can only be found, what you can, the only way you can define these terms, the only way you can find out how God feels about these things is to open up your Bible and read it. Amen. The Bible's what defines these terms for you. The Bible's what tells you how God feels about this and how God doesn't feel about this. That's where Christianity and the world has it all wrong right now. They've gotten away from the Word of God. I don't think God... Well, what did God say? Well, I know what God said, but, but I feel like... I feel that we should be able to. I think we should... I don't care what you think or feel. What does God say? And Daniel's getting right with God. He says, you know, I'm confessing this sin. I'm confessing this iniquity. And he says, it's thy precepts and from thy judgments. I'm rebelling. It's because we're getting away from the Word of God. And you say, well, Brother King, and I, I can't read the word very well. I can't read the word very fast. Look at verse 6. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. God says, I know you can't read very well. I know you're not going to read my words. So I sent men that will preach my words to you, to your presidents, to your senators, to your congressmen, to your fathers, to your mothers, to you sitting in a pew. I've sent my men and they have preached my word. And we've we've disobeyed it and we've forsook it and we got away from it. Guys, we have no excuse. Before I was behind this pulpit, I sat under a preacher that preached the Word of God and he gave it to me just like I needed to hear it. And I'm not the only one preaching the Word of God. There's many, many, many men in this area right here that get up every Sunday morning and they preach the Word of God as best they can and they give it to you and there's no excuse. I have no excuse. The problem is we don't want to hear it. We don't like what they say, so we do this right here. Oh, that's just his opinion. That's why Brother Keegan puts so much emphasis on opening up a Bible and reading it to you. So when, Because I, I have to come down off of here, see? And I have to go over here like a fool and go to the back. And then we have a song of invitation. And then y'all come by the back of the door. And i got to sit there like a fool and shake everybody's hand. And I hope you have a good week. And See, i got to look you in the face. And I don't want you to come up to me and say... I don't think that's what you said was right. Because I've had people do that to me in this church. Yeah, oh yeah. You know what I do to them when they say that? Well, I read it to you out of the Bible. I read it to you. 
Take it up with God. See, I take the authority away from me and put it what? Right there in that book. Amen. Had a guy attack me just a couple weeks ago. I saw on your website that you said that you were teaching against the Jehovah's Witness. And I, I think that you shouldn't judge. Judge not lest you be judged. <laughs> you were there? You heard that? <laughs> you heard what I said then, didn't you? I got about this close. And I got him straightened out. I said, so you're going to come to a red light and you're going to say, okay, is that red or green? Judge not lest you be judged. Just run it. You've got to discriminate. You've got to judge. You've got to open up the Bible and say, what's right and wrong? What's sin and what's not sin? You've got to have the Word of God to know these things, guys. It's right there for you. Don't get caught up in the world. That's the way the world thinks. Oh, I don't want to judge nobody. Yeah, you'll not judge anybody. Go straight to hell. You've got to judge. Is this the right Savior, Muhammad, or is this the right Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, let's not judge anybody. Well, I'm here to tell you. The Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged. Is that what it says? Amen. Amen. What does that mean? If you're going to judge, you better get ready to be judged. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay here and say, I'm going to judge. Muhammad's a fool. I wouldn't follow him to the bathroom. I'm going with this guy right here. He's alive forevermore. I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. He died for me. I judge that that's the right one right there. So you come and judge me, and I'll tell you why. You come judge me and say, why do you feel that way? That guy right there. Judge not lest ye be judged. Don't let the world turn the Bible on you. That's what the devil does. The devil likes to take Scripture and throw it at you. That's what he did to Jesus. And what did Jesus do when the, when the devil threw Scripture at him? Jesus just stood there and what did he do? It is written. Bam! And gave him Scripture right back. Guys, we've got preachers preaching to us. We've got sins in our life. We need to confess it. Verse 7. O Lord... Righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day. Notice that confusion of faces. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all of Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, verse 8, to us belongeth confusion of face. You need to admit you're getting exactly what you deserve. The second part of the, the way to pray and the proper way to confess your sins is you need to, of course, confess your sins first. And secondly, you need to admit that you're getting exactly what you deserve. Look at verse 7. O Lord, righteousness, righteousness belongeth unto thee. Lord, you're right. Next, what does it say after that comma? But unto us, confusion of faces. Hey, you des- Lord, you're right, and I'm wrong. I'm getting exactly what I deserve, Lord. Verse 8, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face. Hey, Lord, uh, we, we deserve what we're getting. See what Daniel's saying about his people and him? Lord, you're right and we're wrong and I'm getting everything I deserve. Why is it so hard for us to admit that? Get down on our knees and pray to the Lord. Lord, I've done this sin and I've done this, that, and the right. And Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. Amen. Lord, you're always right and uh, I'm always wrong. Why is it so hard for us to do that? Because it goes against everything we are, because we're so arrogant. 
It starts with humbling yourself down. See, when you've humbled yourself down, you're willing to admit these things. And belongs to us confusion of face. Why is that? To our princes and to our fathers. Because why is that? Why? Because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgiveness. Lord, you're forgiving, though we have rebelled against him. We've rebelled. There, see that rebellion? There it is again. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, all the prophets. Yea, all Israel hath, have transgressed the law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. See, he's confessing all the sin, all the iniquity, all the rebellion. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. This whole prayer is what? I'm a sinner, they're a sinner, we've sinned, we've caused us problems, it's all our fault, you're right, we're wrong. You see this attitude that Daniel has? And this is the attitude that's going to get him one of the greatest prophecies ever given to man. You want your prayers answered? This is how you have to approach God. Look at verse 12. Let's look at the next one. And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. Huh. What did, what did he just say? Daniel said, God brought an evil upon us. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. You can write amen in your Bible next to that. There is not a... Race of people, and I don't care what color you pick, that have been treated like the Jews have been treated. You know, there's, uh, people have this attitude about these different races. They don't understand what the Jews have been put up with. How they've been persecuted through the Dark Ages. Been persecuted through, of course, Nazi Germany. Millions killed. Even to today, they're persecuted. And God keeps blessing them and blessing them and blessing them. I've heard a, a person say, well, how can you believe that God exists? And I heard a preacher say, the way I believe God exists is the Jew, that he's still around. That's a good point, because everybody hates the Jew. They're always out to get him. And there's nothing been, no, see, for under the whole heaven, had not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. That's a true statement right there. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us, yet may we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand the truth, thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You know what that verse just said? God says, I'm going to bring evil on you. We need to acknowledge. This is the third thing we need to understand when we're confessing our sins. We need to acknowledge, like Daniel did here, that the Lord's the one that is punishing us. We need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge it's our Father that's the one that's whipping us. Amen. He's the one that brings the evil on us. Amen. God brings evil, yeah. God can bring good, but He also can bring evil. Yes, sir, Amen, brother. It, look, I know y'all don't want to turn to this because I have y'all turn on time, but in Isaiah 45, I'm going to read you a verse that God says in Isaiah 45. Just because I know some of y'all might not believe me or you're doubting that God would ever do anything evil. Yeah, he does evil. He takes credit for it. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. Isaiah 45, verse 7. Here's what the Lord says. He says, I am the Lord and there is none else. That's verse 5. There is none else. And then he says in verse 7, just so you know this is the Lord speaking. 
I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. I remember when Katrina hit, and Katrina hit uh, Louisiana and flushed it like a big toilet that it is. And uh, people said, uh, God would never do that. Because I was preaching that God had flushed Katrina out like a toilet. And, oh, God would never bring, God would never bring a hurricane. Well, then who did it? Santa Claus got a hold of his list and found out there's a bunch of people on his list that didn't make the list and said he's going to... Who's doing this? Satan? You think Satan's doing this? Satan might have done it, but by the will of God. He said, well, I, I, turn to Job chapter 2. <laughs> this, I'm giving you scripture because I know some of you are going to catch me behind the church and say, well, I don't know that God would bring... Yeah, he would. He does. He's God. He does what he wants to do. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you why. I, I, I don't know why he brought it on Katrina, why he brought, brings a hurricane and a tsunami on India and kills about 400,000 people. He created them. If he wants to wipe them off the earth, he can do it. Talk to him. I mean, I'm not the one that did it. I'm not the one that put the order out. God puts the orders out. And remember what happened with Job. Job was there. Everything's going great in Job's life. And, and Satan comes before God like God tells him to do. God says to, to Satan, have you considered Job? He's a pretty good old boy. And Satan says, well, the only reason he's good is because you built a hedge around him. And Satan says, well, if you'll let me get a hold of him. God says, okay, I'll let you get a hold of him. You can do all this stuff to him, but you can't touch him. So what does Satan do? Satan leaves there, goes down there, kills his kids, brings a, brings a tornado, and wipes out all, a lot of his property, a lot of his flock has been took away, but stole away, and then Job finds out he's lost it all. Then what happens? Satan comes back before God. God asks Satan, have you considered Job? Well, he hasn't cursed you to your face because you have a hedge built around him. And, and, and he goes, but if you let me touch his skin, he'll curse you to your face. In other words, you let me get a hold of his health. And God says, okay, Satan, I'll let you go down there. You can do everything, anything you want to to him, but just don't kill him. So what does Satan do? Satan goes down there. He puts sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Is that, that's, is that a true story? Can y'all say amen to that? I paraphrase that, but that's what happened, right? Who was doing that? Satan was doing that. But who was letting Satan do that? God. Job was minding his own business. Job was over there going, oh, it's been a pretty good day. Lord, thank you for the rain. Job was a pretty good old boy. Job was doing the right things. And before it was all said and done, God had allowed Satan to kill all his kids, take all his property, and take his health. And some of y'all in here wonder, why is God doing this to me? He's probably playing something with Satan, saying, they're going to deny you, Lord. And the Lord said, no, Keegan won't deny me. If you let me do this to him, he will. No, he won't. So you, the Lord's getting glory out of your health problems. Amen. If you'll keep glorifying God. But I want to show you there in, in chapter 2, verse 9, that Job's wife, a wonderful wife that she was, says, his wife said unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. That's exactly what Satan wants Job to say. Curse God and die. That's Satan talking to Job through his wife. I've had a wife like that. <laughs> Woo! I've had one of them. But look at verse 10. But he said unto her, This is what Job said, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speak. What? What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? Look what the Bible says. 
And all this did not Job sin with his lips. So you won't think Job was wrong. The Bible says he didn't sin when he said that with his lips. You need to fear God. And you need to know when you're doing this sin, you're living in iniquity, you're wallowing around like a pig thinking you're getting away with it, God's coming with a belt. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. He's a good father, and every good father I've ever known uses a belt. Will whip you. He's coming. You don't like that, and I don't like it either. But it's true. Daniel chapter 9, guys. Daniel chapter 9. We need to close up. Let's finish up in Daniel chapter 9. You need to acknowledge that the, one, the Lord is the one that's going to punish you. I'm showing you exactly what Daniel's doing here in Daniel chapter 9. He's got a fourfold, he's got a fourfold confession of his, all his different sins. Daniel's admitting you're getting, he's getting exactly what he deserves. And thirdly, Job is acknowledging the Lord is the one that's going to punish him. And then lastly, lastly, and I'm going to skip down for time's sake. I'm going to skip down to verse 18. For time's sake, I'm skipping down to verse 18. Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. You don't ask the Lord to forgive you because you deserve it, not for our righteousness. Not because we're doing something good, Lord. Don't forgive me because I'm going to be a good boy or a good girl. Don't forgive me for that, but for thy great mercies. Lord, don't forgive me because I deserve it, Lord. Forgive me because I know you're just that good. And you're just that merciful. You know why the Lord forgives us? It's not because he knows we're going to do something good for him and pay him back and be a good little boy or girl. The Lord forgives us just because he's that good. Amen. He's got that much love for us. And, and that's what Daniel is pleading to the Lord. He says, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I've gotten iniquity. I admit I'm wallowing around in sin. I admit all these things, Lord. And I know I acknowledge, Lord, and admit that you're the one that's going to punish me. And I deserve and admit that I... Deserve everything I get, Lord, but Lord, forgive me of these sins, not because I deserve it, Lord, but because you're good. Amen. It makes you love the Lord that much more when you know He loves you and forgives you. And secondly and lastly, not only do we ask the Lord to forgive us because He's good and not because of our own good, but because His name is attached to us. See this in verse 19? O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. Oh my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Amen. Lord, just please forgive me, not because I deserve it, Lord. Please forgive me because you're just good and because people know I'm a Christian. Do you get that? Lord, forgive me because people know that I go to church. Amen. And I need to get back up off this sin. I need to stop wallowing around in this sin. Lord, just please forgive me. I need to, I, your name's attached to me. We've all had families, and you know how it is. Uh, we said this all the time. I mean, maybe it's because I was the one who was getting it said to, but don't embarrass the family. <laughs> Keegan, don't embarrass the family. Guys, there's so many of our brothers and sisters that are simply embarrassing the family. 
And they need to get right with the Lord. Amen. Just confess their sin. Stop wallowing around in it. Do like Daniel and say, Lord, I know you're the one that's going to punish me. And Father, forgive me, not because I deserve it, Lord, because you're good. Amen. You're just a good God. And you're, you're willing to forgive me. When you don't have to, Lord, you don't have to forgive me, but you will because you're good. And Lord, there's people watching me. And I want to be able to get off this my knees. And I want to be able to wipe the tears off my face. And I want to have that joy back in my heart. Amen. So when people see me, and they know I'm a Christian, Lord, they'll see that joy I have. Because I have a Father that loves me and that forgives me. Amen. Man, what a prayer. What a prayer. It says that an angel showed up after this prayer and gave Daniel one of the greatest prophecies ever given to man. Guys, you want to touch God's heart? That's how you do it. I read it to you. Go home and read it again. Go home and study it for yourself. Go home and study 1 John chapter 1. Come back and study Daniel chapter 9. Increase your prayer life. Get, get right with the Lord. Find out, Lord, say, Lord, pray, Lord, Lord, I don't even know what sins I'm doing. Lord, show me. I want to get close to you, Lord. I want to walk with you. I want the joy of thy salvation. You know, sometimes we, as a Christian, we get so bogged down living in this world, and we got these sins that are over besetting us, and we're just so down and depressed and tired, and the Lord wants to give us life abundant, but He can't give it to us because we're misbehaving. You remember when you were a parent, you wanted so bad to give your kids some of the good things in life, but they would not behave. And you say, I, I, I'm not going to do it if you don't go clean your room. I'm not going to do it if you don't stop doing this. If you'll just behave, I'll bless you beyond measure. And that's what the Lord's telling you. I don't want to curse you. I don't want to have to spank you. I want to bless you. I want to give you the best things in life, but I can't give them to you when you're misbehaving. That's not a good father, amen? Man, a good, and what's he going to have to do? If you don't straighten up, off comes the belt, and he's going to have to spank you, Hebrews chapter 12. Amen. Until you get right with him and get ready to get right with him. That's what Daniel's doing. I'm so glad I got a father that loves me enough to try to straighten me out. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.